0: I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. All right. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And
1: I'm Josiah Keneally. And we want to say thanks for tuning in to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. And we're your hosts. So we get to have fun, journey together. New episodes drop on Mondays. We want to help Mm -hmm. you start your week off strong. And we're going to have some fun today.
0: We are going to have some fun, and we have a special guest. She is one of our pastors in our lives, and our paths have crossed years ago, and we just get to continue to do life alongside with her and her partner um, in ministry. So today we're going to be talking about pastoring with your partner, and we want to welcome Amber Linz to the show today. How are you, Amber?
2: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited
0: to be here with you guys today. But well, we are excited to see what happens because many of our listeners, there could be women in ministry or they could be just desiring to do ministry with their partner or future spouse someday. So Amber is going to unpack some of the probably the pros and cons and challenges <laughs> along the way, as well as her story, um, because we're imperfect people serving a perfect God and we do with our partner, we get to see all the different elements of who we're married to, but also who we do work with um, in the trenches for God's kingdom. So Josiah, do you want to welcome and just share who Amber is for the listener who may not know who she is quite yet?
1: You bet. We're thrilled to have. Pastor Amber Lins, join us, and she co-pastors with her husband, Greg Lins, at Zoe Church, and she also leads the women's ministry there at Zoe. Amber's a mom of three amazing kids and loves having fun, enjoys time with family and friends. She was also, we'll talk about this a little bit, born and raised um, in a pastoral home of ministry and now is pastoring herself And so a church uh, just had fall launch, like probably a lot of listeners, it's kind of back to school. And at least where we live in the Midwest and Minnesota, it's kind of like back to church fall launch, you know, cabin life kind of returns into some sort of maybe more normal. But um, Amber, if you would just kind of kick us off today by sharing maybe some of your life um, leadership journey and just kind of where you um, have been and how you've ended up here at Zoe today.
2: Yeah. I would love to. Well, um, I grew up, like Josiah said, in a pastor's family. My dad has been a pastor for almost 30 years, which is crazy, at the same church, which is even crazier, I feel like. Um, and you know, I'm gonna try to condense my story into we'd be here like all day if I told you my <laughs> whole story, but um. Like a lot of pastors, kids, either I feel like they follow the Lord or they do their own thing and rebel. And I was the person who did my own thing and rebelled. And, um, a lot of my life, I felt like I had to fit this perfect mold because of my parents status and being pastors. And that was really hard for me because I felt like I had to constantly be living this perfect life. And actually, I didn't want to live a perfect life. I wanted to kind of do my own thing. And in high school, I just really made some poor decisions. I was big time into partying. I found my identity in different relationships with guys, which were super unhealthy relationships, um, because I felt like so much of my life had to be perfect from the outside. Um, I feel like that's a lot of where my eating disorder transpired. Uh, It was something I felt like I could control when my life felt out of control. And a lot of my growing up years, um, my dad was the pastor of a smaller church and was like the only pastor. And so a lot of his time was spent with the church and with the people of the church. And I, as a kid was really struggling. And I remember I came to a point in my life where, I was really, I hated the church. I hated the people in the church. I think so many times people, people in our own church are like, man, I've been so hurt by the church. And I'm like, well, you haven't been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by people in the church Mm -hmm. and people in the church and my dad's church really, um, there were different things that really hurt me. Uh, They would have meetings about me, about how bad I was. And then I would hear about those meetings. And, I began to just get this very like chip on my shoulder when it came to the church. And I really wanted nothing to do with the church at all. And to be honest with you, I came to this point where I didn't even know if I wanted to believe in the Lord. Like, Mm -hmm. and if there was a God, I didn't know if I wanted anything to do with him. And um, my senior year, I got, it was like, I graduated and that summer, I got mono and if you've ever had mono like literally it's awful. Mm-hmm. And I got really really sick. I was on bed rest for the whole summer and I had a lot of friends and nobody came to visit me. And it was a very like lonely time in my life. And uh I remember that was a lot of the time where I began to question um my beliefs, what I believed, if I wanted to believe in the Lord, but also I really wrestled with so much conviction that I felt. I knew the way that I was living my life wasn't glorifying to the Lord because I knew better. I was taught better. I knew the word and I chose to ignore it. And so I really wrestled with, even if there is a God, would he ever be able to forgive me for what I've done and for the way I've lived in my life? And uh, I remember there was a Sunday night service that my parents made me go to. And there was this guest speaker and he knew nothing about me, literally nothing about me. And I went to this service and I sat in the back row, you know, like a snotty 18 year old, I'm sure like, I don't want to be here, you know? And the speaker before the service started, he walks up to me like beelines it for me. And I'm like, oh man, he's going to tell me I'm going to hell. Like I, what else is he coming to say? And he walks up to me and he's like, Hey, I know you don't know me, but I just felt like the Lord told me that whatever you've done, whatever your past is, it is your past. Like it doesn't define you and you can be made clean. You don't need to carry this anymore. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, how did he know that that's something I was struggling with? Maybe there is a God. And for the first time in my life, I think I, I was like, God, maybe you are real. Like maybe you are real. And I wish I could say that was like the end of my story. And that was my turning point, And everything was wonderful after that, but that's not the case. Uh, I ended up going to North central university and honestly, uh, that school in a lot of ways saved me. Um, I went there because I was forced to go there. My mom and dad were like, you either go to North central or we don't help at all with your schooling. And I was like, I'm going to party. That's what I'm going for. So I'm actually going to go to a different college. And really because I had no money that didn't, I had to go to North central. So I went to North central and, um, I walked in with a chip on my shoulder, you know, I was faking it. I didn't, I was not not living for the Lord and I couldn't figure out where things went wrong to tell you the truth. Like, how did I get here? I remember asking myself, like, how did I get here? I'm like trapped in an eating disorder. I don't know how to function without having a male and like a boyfriend in my Mm -hmm. life. And I just party all the time. And so I was a disaster walking into North central. And, um, I, I did what I knew how to do. And I got into a relationship with a guy almost right away. And I think because, you know, growing up in the church, my mom and dad were, and I was taught right. Like date a Christian guy, like that's what you should do. And I thought, well, here's this guy I met at North central. He's a Christian. This will be, I'll give it a shot, you know, cause I never done that before. Um, But that was my one and only abusive relationship that I was in. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very abusive. And honestly, at the time I didn't even know it was, it was years later that I realized like that wasn't normal. Um, I think I thought I deserved it because of the way I had chosen to live my life. I put myself in that position and I was getting what I deserved is what I felt. And I remember that that was rock bottom. One night I ran out of his apartment back to North central it was like a block away barefoot. I remember carrying my sandals, literally running as fast as I could. And like, that was my lowest of lows. And I went back to my dorm room and I'm like, God, if you're real, like you have to show me. Cause I, mm-hmm. I literally don't know what else to do. And Honestly, that's really when my restoration began. And it was a process and it was tons of healing that had to take place. But the Lord healed me of an eating disorder. He healed me of an abusive relationship. The bitterness I carried towards the church, He took away. And it was like chain after chain after chain began to fall off my own life. And I had to surrender and it took work. And it was a long, stinking process. But, um, the Lord began to do a healing work in my life. And I know without a doubt, I would not be sitting here today if it wasn't for that. And yeah, so that's a little bit of my backstory and being called into ministry was, is a whole nother part of this story, but that was something I never, ever, 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 ever wanted to do because I had so much hurt towards um, people in the church. So yeah, God began to restore.
0: Awesome. And I'm so thankful for not only your story, but your willingness to share your story and focus on the redemptive side of who Christ is. And yeah. no matter what family we've come from um, or no matter what you know, version of ourself we're living now, there's always more things that we need to deal with. The older we get, um, whether it's 30 years behind us or 10 years behind us, like there's always Always. um, healing. There's always surrender. There's each and every single day choosing, um, choosing Christ and choosing to follow him with everything we have. And I would just be curious, when did you become passionate about just ministry at large? If you could just give us a small little glimpse into that, because you have a passion for women in ministry. Um, but then you're also leading with your um, husband, Pastor Greg. So when did your like passion for maybe ministry and women specifically ministry kind of like, this is what I'm like, I love this group of people. Like when did that happen and what did that look like? Yeah. Well, you know, as
2: I walked through even my healing journey, you know, I began to realize, I think it's so important that like, this is a really important part to grasp and understand is my faith was never my own. Mm -hmm. I was living off of my parents' faith. And I was going through the motions because that's what I taught. And when I actually gave my life over to the Lord, that's when I had a, I began to have a personal relationship with him. And that's when I began to say, man, like, God, you have a plan and a purpose for my life. And uh, he really had to work on my heart to for ministry to be honest with you it wasn't like I felt called into ministry the minute I was healed and restored and redeemed it was a process but honestly the thing that I I you know I I like to tell God this is what I'll do if you do this that's not the right thing to do but that's kind of what I do sometimes and uh, I remember sitting at North Central and feeling like oh no I could be called in a literally deathly afraid of it because of my growing up my past and i remember thinking man god if you call me into ministry i i want to be different i want to talk about the hard things in life i want to be transparent i want to be able to i want people to be able to talk about what they're walking through the really hard icky stuff i think so many times in the church world We kind of feel like, oh, we got, if I'm going to go to church, I have to have my act all together and I got to have my best suit on. And here I go. Like, no, you get to come in with all your garbage and say, here I am, Lord. And so really the idea of being able to use my story and be transparent um, and be in ministry was something that excited me because I want, I really wanted to create a space Mm -hmm. where people felt like they could be themselves fully themselves. Like you don't have to cover anything up and you can come. And that really then birthed my, my heart and my passion for women and for women in ministry. But really ultimately I, I want to see women healed and restored. And, you know, parts of my story are of an eating disorder or are of an abuse. And I just think, man, women need to know that there is healing and restoration in those really hard things. Things that they faced. And so that's really where my passion was birthed. I just want to be able to be people to feel like they can come and bring whatever junk they're carrying. And like, God's going to use that. You don't have to come cleaned up and ready to go for him. You just got to be willing to go.
0: That's right. for Him. That's right.
1: Amber, that's so good. I'm just reminded of sometimes it's our deepest wounds or our deepest pains, um, dark yeah. times in our lives that eventually, Maybe there's a scar and and there's a story Mm -hmm. and we're willing to share that. It can actually be an amazing testimony to the goodness of God, to the healing power Mm -hmm. from the resurrection of Jesus and dead things coming back to life and really just the dawn of a new day. And a lot of times people are like, man. can God ever heal me? Can God ever forgive me? And then that's exactly what he does. And then he uses us to be his instruments to do the same for others and a wake of blessing and healing and love and, and restoration can just flow from that and follow. And I think that one of the really fun parts for, for Micah and I, I know is we um, were called each of us into mm-hmm. ministry in our singleness and then we got married and now we get to do this together. Mm-hmm. And so finding other couples that are in ministry together and just tag team it and just leading together, making room for Mm -hmm. each other. And I'll just say right off the bat, maybe you're a guy listening or watching this podcast. And I would just point out the, probably the obvious, but sometimes it's not obvious is that for a male in ministry, um, it's just different than Mm -hmm. a female. And I I just want us to be aware of something that for example, for Micah's journey Mm -hmm. and Amber, I don't, I'm, I i can not speak for you, but I know that I've just watched how, for myself to find a mentor, to find Mm -hmm. older, mature male leaders um, is a lot different. Maybe there's more of them. Maybe it's easier. It's more traditional. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes for a Micah, for an Amber, for a young woman in ministry, um, it might not always be the same. There's not as Mm -hmm. many females further ahead in ministry. Mm -hmm. So there can be this sense of like, Wow. And then especially too, for a couple that maybe you're wanting to do ministry together with your spouse, or that's a dream of yours, or you're in it and trying to figure this out together. That's one of the things that we're going to talk with Amber here in a moment about, because we know that Amber and Greg lead together and Mm -hmm. we've had an up close um, front row seat to that at times, whether it was at Cedar Valley or now at Zoe Mm -hmm. and would love to just hear your thoughts on this, Amber, of how have you as a woman grown in your leadership and in your God given talents? Like how has God shown up in this process of maybe opening doors or how have you sought out mentors or relationships that can maybe spur you on and be that iron that sharpens iron in the process?
2: Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Um, Mentorship is humongous to me. It means like so much to me and has been something I've been very intentional of. And I think some of it is because growing up, I had nobody that was pouring into my life.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: when you have someone pouring into your life, it's a lot harder to hide the deepest, darkest secrets. And um, so I would say early on in ministry, I I am very lucky and blessed to have had one of the best mentors, I think, that has ever walked this earth. And that was Kathy Strenquist. And Greg and I served under them for 13 years, you know, 12, 13 years, and you guys served under them as well. And she was literally the best model for me to watch and to just sit under. And honestly, I remember it took me years and I still to this day, like, I can't believe it took me years to ask her to mentor me. And you know, when I asked her to mentor me, I remember her saying like, I've been waiting for you to ask. I wasn't going to reach out to you because I knew if you asked, then you were ready. Good. And I thought that was so wise of her to say. And I for sure say that to women now. I'm like, I've I've been wondering, you know, but, um, I just want, I would sit at her feet. I remember I set up meetings that I would meet with her weekly and I would have questions that I written out that I would ask her and they might be stupid questions, but they meant so much to me to learn. And it could be about like, how did you do this with your kid? Nothing to do with ministry or how did you love your husband through this or whatever? And so she was one of, My biggest heroes in my life and uh, will always be one of my heroes. Uh, But also as they transitioned on and now, you know, Kathy is no longer with us. The things that she taught me will forever go with me, but I have seen the importance of searching off after somebody else. So I am always making sure that I have someone in my life who has gone before me, who has led a church with a family who has worked together with their spouse. And so that is a very important thing for me. And I I would say anyone in ministry, if you want to be healthy, you will make sure you have a mentor and someone that pours into your life. And then the other side of it. um, And, you know, this will probably come up again in our conversation because I am, it's something I'm very passionate about is And until probably the last year, I have seen the importance of making sure that I have a counselor and someone that I talk to, that I I get to unload with, that I get to work through the things that I'm walking through in my life. Because when you are in ministry, uh, you carry the weight of a lot of other people Mm -hmm. and you are constantly being there for others. And if you don't have somebody that's there for you, you're in big trouble. And so a counselor, uh, Greg and I see counselors separately, has been humongous for us. And I know will continue to make us really healthy leaders. And that is all that I am all about. So many times people say, well, how do you not fail in, in ministry? Because so many leaders fail. How do you make sure you don't fail? And I just think, man, if you are constantly protecting yourself with people that are speaking into your life, It's going to make it even harder to Mm -hmm. fail. And I have also close friends in my own life that are, they're like my guards. They're my army that watch my blind spots that call me out, that, that I have to be okay when they call me out on things. And so, um, those are very important things to me in my own life and something that I make sure that I have set up.
0: That's so good. And even for the listener today, if you don't have a counselor or if you need to go to prayer ministry yourself as a leader, like don't look at counseling as something that's negative or that you are, you're weak. It is an opportunity for you to grow and strengthen um, your leadership, your relationships, as well as your relationship with the Lord as well. It's not only with the people around you, but it's to really understand like we're not perfect. And when people put us potentially on a pedestal or we put other pastors and leaders and people that we emulate on a pedestal, um, that's not a healthy place to be putting people or to be put on in other people's opinions and viewpoints of us. Um, but to know that we all have hurts, hurdles, and hang-ups that we're all working through. And we do need to unload some of that baggage and we do need to let it go. And we can't take those deep seated, um, Offenses, personally, we have to learn how do we walk through the difficult, challenging times, Um, and it's with the people around us. It's the process. It's the letting go. It's the forgiveness. It is... um, becoming the best and the healthiest version of ourselves. And we need to invest in ourselves to be able to invest into others. And Amber, I'm just so curious, um, how would you encourage somebody, uh, maybe a woman in ministry or someone leading with their spouse today? Like if you could give them something to hang on to when it comes to leadership and working together, what would you, um, what would you unpack for them today? Yeah, I'm going to
2: give a little bit of a backstory if that's okay, before I go in to this question. Um, Greg and I have not always pastored together. And so, you know, just within the last three and a half years, we have co-led Zoe church together. That's when we got here and launched, relaunched this church. And I remember walking into it thinking like we've done ministry, you know, we've been married for almost 17 years and we've been in ministry. Ministry together for 17 years, but it's different being in ministry together than leading together. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I thought, well, be it will be no big deal. Like we're just working together. Like that'll be fine. I'll get to see them. And I have learned in full transparency that it's been one of the hardest things to learn. And I want to say, okay, the hardest thing to learn, but the hardest thing to learn to do healthy. Mm-hmm. Because we, Greg and I, we could lead together, but when you're in ministry, it is different than any other job. It just is ministry and is your life. It's your family's life. You don't just go half in in ministry. You, everybody is involved in ministry. Right. And so something that Greg and I have had to be very intentional about, and really I had to, I had to examine my own heart. Honestly, uh, it took me longer than Greg to get to this place to want to lead a church that that's a story in and of itself. Cause you, you know, I never wanted to lead a church ever. This is not like my passion in my dream. This was not my passion in my dream and God had to change my heart. Mm-hmm. And in that, and in the last three and a half years, and I still do not have this right. Like I am a work in progress. If you just ask Greg, <laughs> but I have had to learn that Greg and I are a team. And we have to remain a team in every single valley mm-hmm. and in every single high and in every single low. And that is something that you're like, well, yeah, you're married, your teammates. Yeah. You sometimes have to work in that because in the valleys, it's really hard.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And on the mountaintops, it's really fun. And since we've taken over Zoe church, uh, we've gone through a pandemic. We've gone through an election. We've gone through George Floyd. We've gone through so many different things. And it's kind of been one thing after another. And guys, newsflash, we didn't go to school to learn how to do this. We did not learn how to lead through these different things or to lead together. And so something that I've seen over the last three years is that Greg and I have learned to walk hand in hand. And now we didn't always do that and we still don't always do it. But man, if we don't have each other backs. If I'm not che- his biggest cheerleader um, and he's not my biggest cheerleader,
1: mm-hmm. then
2: that's where we're going to have a problem right. because there is chaos around us. And we have to make sure that we are constantly saying, Hey, I support you in that. Um, I know we've had to wrestle through some different things together. And what is so cool. And so how the Lord works is in those really hard seasons where maybe we had to make decisions that were really hard, but, and we had to make them together. God would clearly speak to both of us and it wouldn't always be at the same time, but he would speak to both of us and that wouldn't bring unity between Greg and I. And so we've had to fight for that. We've had to work for that. Uh, I would say this though, I support Greg and I cheer him on, but he does the exact same thing for me. And as a woman in ministry, uh, it is different it just is. And I've had to bring things to Greg's attention. Like you don't have to, you don't get pushed back for this. Like I get pushed back for this. And he has always stood up for me and has made sure one of the things early on we realized is like, whenever we talk about Zoe church and leading it, it's us together. Like we lead it, Greg and I, and Greg is very careful at that language. If you hear him speak, he'll always incorporate Amber and I decided this, or Amber and I did this. Right. And that's been something that I think is really important, even for our congregation to see It's like, Hey, we're doing this together. We're a team. And that is going to create healthy, um, healthy. I can say boundaries, but healthy, even within our staff or our staff to see that is like, Hey, they're working together. And yeah, we've had to We've had to learn some things the hard way, but, um, that's been really great for us just to like, I have to have his back. We have to be teammates. We have to be teammates. That's good.
0: And advocating is huge for each other. I I just,
1: I love that the idea of team. And I think of, you know, we've been on different teams together, Amber, with you, with Pastor Greg, and, um, I'm just reminded of when it comes to team, this axiom that kind of, We prefer each other. We put the team ahead of our individual goals, aspirations, and just this axiom of we is greater than me. I'm often reminded of that, of of like, Hey, we're in this together. So I think what that looks like as a team with any teammate and and you see this in healthy sports teams or Mm -hmm. many times successful sports teams is they they've got each other's back Mm -hmm. and they they collaborate together, but, but they advocate for each other, which you hit on Mm -hmm. they um, champion each other. So I think what it can look like a lot of times for me is, um, helping, might have a seat at the table or, you know, looking at what you've talked about of, of it's Greg and Amber and this is us together. I think that that's, Huge and um, just as a team, and I mean, we could talk about a whole podcast of things that seminary never taught us, right? (laughs) We totally
2: could. (laughs) But
1: but I think that that's the case for leadership. I talk to the young leaders all the time, and they're like, "Oh man, this is the this is hard. This is a challenge." And I'm like, "That's why you're there. If there was no crisis, Mm -hmm. there would be no case for leadership."
2: Exactly. And
1: I'm reminded of what what Paul actually instructs a young leader, Timothy, he says it in first Timothy three, he starts off that passage by saying to aspire to leadership Mm. is an honorable ambition. Mm. So if you're listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. and you've stuck with the conversation this long, you're aspiring to leadership and to serve people and to do ministry, whether it's um, in the season of singleness or together with your spouse or serving other leaders around you. good. And I think the reason for the existence of this podcast is the faith of the next generation. Amber, and what what Mike and I believe and the listener does too, of course, is that the faith of the next generation is worth everything. And um, we know that this is a passion that, Um, you have as well of whether it's kids or youth or young adults, but what are you seeing um, on an individual level, maybe at Zoe or just in your life, in your ministry and leadership, when it comes to millennials and younger generations like Gen Z, when it comes to hunger, faith, living a life of purpose?
2: You know, I I think it's amazing right now to see um, the thing that I'm going to speak for Zoe Church. What we've seen here is The number of young adults that we have here has like grown drastically in the last couple of years. And that tells me there is a hunger for something more. Mm -hmm. And what I have seen and what I, we've even done research on is that um, this next generation, they are wanting, they are looking and searching for something that is real and transparent. They don't care about the show. They don't care about the smoke and the lights They just want people to be authentic and real with them. And that is something that number one, I like gets me so excited because it's like, take off the masks. You don't have to be something you're not, you get to come as you are. And I think that is something very special about this next generation of like, we we don't, we want to like cut through all the junk, like give us the real raw stuff and let's not pretend to be something we aren't. And there is a hunger like that I have seen, like probably never before. And it excites me because I'm like, man, those are the people who are coming and are, yeah. my kids are going to get to be a part of those are going to be leaders for my children. And, uh, I think like that is something that is so keep running. They're looking for something more. They're not, uh, they're not content with just like hearing about a God. They want to actually know about a God and about God and the, having a personal relationship with them. And so, that is something that like, just gets me all fired up because I think like, that's a really special thing. It's a yeah. really special thing. And I love a generation that's like, Hey, I don't, I don't need the big woe. When I come to church, like, just give me the word. I want to know yeah. the word of God and man, that's what we're a very big passion of mine and Greg's as you two know, mm-hmm. is like, we, when you come to Zoe or you're going to hear about the word of God, that is actually all that matters is what the Bible tells us. And I love that. That's what this next generation, they want. They want to know what does the word of God say about this? Like, I don't care what you have to say about life. Like, tell me what God has to say about it. And that is, that's amazing. That's exciting to me.
0: I think that's so much fun. And you guys are definitely emulating that through your leadership together and your vision at Zoe. And I think it just makes me excited too, because it's like, we have an opportunity to create those opportunities, right? As leaders, like You're going to gather in our house. You're going to yeah. gather in the church. You're going to gra- gather yeah. down the street, wherever we are. It's like we're going to bring the word of God and we're going to actively live that out. And yeah. we want to help you do that and ask and unpack the hard questions that you're asking. And if we don't have the answer, we're going to find somebody who does, or we're yeah. going to discover that together through the lens of Christ. And I think that's just so fun to, to hear that and to see that and to know that God is on the move and yeah. he's still seated at the right hand of the Father and he's not done with us yet. Yes. And we want to hear more from you, Amber, because we've come to the final five in five. So oh, these are right. five questions, rapid fire in five minutes. Are you okay. up for the challenge? I'm up for the challenge. Bring it All on. Right. Let's do it. Okay. Question number one, what's something that you're doing right now as a hobby outside of ministry? I love
2: going to the gym. I am like super into You hit classes at lifetime right now. So that's my thing. And that's what I love.
1: Let's get after it. it. Those high intensity (laughs) interval training. Micah taught me that. And she used to be a personal trainer, Mm -hmm. fitness instructor. And I thought I had some decent workouts until I tried (laughs) hit. And then I almost threw up my first time.
2: That ain't no joke. Let me tell you. That's
1: cool. Right. (laughs) And I know that you guys, um, you're competitive and passionate about sports. What would you say your favorite sports team is Amber?
0: No,
2: I'm a little disappointed in them this morning, but I would say the Minnesota Vikings Cool. Yes. Even if they let me down time and time again, but I am a hard, we are a divided home. Greg is a Bears fan. I don't even understand it. And I am a Vikings fan. And it <laughs> will be until the
0: end of the
1: There we go.
0: I love a little a rivalry in the household. Little rival. Yep. Here is the curveball. So, question three is if you could ask Josiah and myself any question under the sun, Amber, what would you want us to answer today?
2: Hmm. What is your favorite part of ministry that you are doing right now? You want to go
1: first? Sure. Okay. Amber, I think as long as you've known me, um, I've just been burdened and passionate about 18 to 30 year olds. And so when I see the hunger that you're describing in a local Mm -hmm. church, on a college campus setting, in something like The weekend, and seeing a young adult drop to their knees, lift their hands, surrender their life to Christ, and kind of have that moment that you were talking Mm -hmm. about. Um, that you described of your faith coming, becoming your own, right? Like we all have to, as Joshua writes, choose this day whom you're going to serve as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And I had that moment about 16 years old, got car keys, but that, you know, late teen transition, beginning a series of transitions called adulting, um, that's an area that's probably overstudied underserved, over-researched, underreached. And, um, that's just where we're going to park our lives at that intersection. Mm -hmm. We call it kind of the university moment where four years of life can impact the next 40 and beyond. So I think, um, seeing a young adult put their faith in Jesus for the, for the first time to take bold steps of faith, to say yes to Jesus, to respond to the call of God on their life, to find that, you know, what God's created with for their life, Mm -hmm. a destiny, a purpose Mm -hmm. that they can fulfill their purpose in their generation. um, That fires me up.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Oh man. I think for me, even post relationship with the Lord, like that past that point of um, no return, if you're going to serve the Lord your whole life, I think is honestly to receive get um, invitations and to buy gifts for people who are starting out strong in a new marriage. So we even have some invitations on our fridge right now of girls that I've been able to mentor and to know that they're, they're going to serve the Lord with a good and godly man. And they're saying wow. I do in the next, you know, a couple weeks and for them to choose that in this day and age is hard and to live a pure and holy life and fight yeah. for that is hard. So I think it is so it brings joy to my heart to be like, people are still serving the Lord after we've been serving them as their leaders, as their pastors, as their friends, mentors, whatever we've been able to do or called in their season of life. Uh, I think it's fun to continually see people serve the Lord and they reach out um, spontaneously to hear from them. I think it's so fun to know. And sometimes in ministry, you don't always see the return on investment, right? I love Mm -hmm. household projects. So when I see a project, I see the before and I see the after. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're in ministry, you don't, you don't see that instant. Like you're not always going to see and know the impact you've had. And I think for ministry, it's a never ending process so always upholding young adults or whoever you're serving in prayer is such an honor and a privilege to have a front row seat or a little bird's eye view from what God's doing in their life is so fulfilling when it comes to leadership. But that would be my answer that I'm in that season right now. That's awesome. I question number four. Yeah,
1: back to you, Andrew. Thanks for asking that one. It yes. gets us fired up and uh keeps us on our toes for sure too. We never know what those questions are gonna be. And yeah. um, for our fourth question in this five of five, like what's something that you and Greg enjoy doing maybe together if you had a day off, where are we gonna find you guys?
2: <gasps> well. Well, we love to go to the mall. I know. And I'm sure we've ran into you at the mall. We love to go to the mall. And we, um, one of the things that we're really intentional at trying to do now we have kids in sports. So this is getting harder is we try to go for a walk every night. Like sometimes it's not very far, sometimes it's far, but that's something that we are just very intentional at
0: trying to do, um, with one another. So That's so good. And this is the fifth and final question for you, Amber. If you could leave the listener with one piece of advice, what would you leave them with today? Wrestle with the hard questions, man. If you're wrestling with
2: something, wrestle with it, ask somebody about it. You know, something that Greg and I talk about all the time is like embrace the struggle of life and don't leave those questions that you're like questioning about faith. Don't leave them. Um, unanswered or think they don't matter. Bring them to somebody, wrestle them now. I feel like uh, your listeners are at very crucial points in their life uh, of their faith journey. And you might be like, well, I've been a Christian forever. There's nothing I'm wrestling with. Make sure that there isn't. And if there is, that's okay. Talk to somebody about it, wrestle through it. I think so many times we think, man, I can't ask the hard questions because like If I'm an actual Christian, I wouldn't ask that. That's not true. I ask hard questions all the time. So I think that would be my biggest thing is wrestle through the hard questions, wrestle through them, find somebody that you can talk to about them.
0: That's perfect. And that's a great challenge, I think, to leave our listener on, because if we want to truly be leaders, we're going to have to be lifelong learners and we're never going to arrive until we see Jesus face to face, right? That's arrival. Number one, that we're going to never be perfect. We're never going to be absolutely complete until we are in heaven together someday. And to know that it's okay not to be, you know, perfect and it's okay not to be okay at times, but to have those people have yeah. those, um, friends, those family, those people you trust around you through those beautiful times and challenging times. Um, But we've absolutely loved our time with you, Um, Amber. Thank you so much for taking time with us and our listeners today. And yeah, we love you guys. So thank you so much. Thank you. We love you guys. This has been so
2: much fun. Thank you for having me.
1: You bet. And if you want to find out more about Pastor Amber Lynn's Zoe Church, um, just all that God's doing in their life and church, feel free to connect with them in the show notes and on the website at youngadults.today. Until next time, we'll talk soon.
2: Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed
0: today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate and review this podcast.
1: Plug me in, I'm all wired up right now. Plug me in, I'm getting up right now. Yeah.